Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. And as expected, it was a very big week. The Board Riders sponsorship cliff that we talked about in last week's episode came to fruition, and we're still seeing the fallout. Buck and I are going to get into that soon. We're also going to talk about a patent feud that's going on between several accessories brands, one of which created a patent for a product that they say these other brands infringed upon. We're going to get into the legality of it. Uh, we're also going to talk about a new SURF episode, a best surfing I've ever seen, and an interview with Kolohe and Dino, and of course, a surf sim. So let's drop in. And hello, world! It is time for another drop episode. Mikey, how are you? I am. I'm doing really well, Buck. But I'm more curious about you. Are like a man of Europe right now? You were just doing this whole wetsuit test. You were all over Portugal, chasing the waves, chasing away from the weather. And now you're going where? I am going to Italy, the Italian mainland, for a swell. Wow, that's is that common? I've seen photos, and based on just looking at maps right now, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of wind. So we're going with Leo, and it's a project with his new sponsor, K-Way. We're going to meet up with another friend there, and uh, I think we're going to score. I don't know. I don't want to claim anything, but I've re- I was told to bring a step up. Wow. And I was like, oh. That's impressive. Is this, <laughs> is this some sort of like SURF continuation from Rigatoni, or how is there a tie-in here? Dude, at one point, we were, we were talking about lining up this podcast, and I was like, Tonight I'm flying in kind of late and just, I was like already scouting out the restaurants around like the hotel and I'm like, I can get there by 11. I can get there by 11. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to be talking to Mikey for this podcast, full of pasta, definitely some red wine. And so it's almost going to be a midnight uh, Milan episode, but unfortunately it's like a 3 p.m. Portuguese one. So whatever, we're making it happen. So Italy doesn't generally have the best waves in Europe. Would you say it has the best food though? I fucking love Italian food, man. I mean, the fish and stuff you get here is incredible. Everywhere has great food, but just like that carved out Italian food. I know they do great fish, seafood, everything too, but oh my God, that pasta there, Mikey. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited to see the waves because honestly, just look at a map right now and um, you'll be like, oh, (laughs) it's crazy. Go look at Wendy. Go look at Wendy and let's get into the news. Let's do it. All right, first up, we are going to give you an update on the board rider situation. Mikey, you pretty much read like the Declaration of Independence on this program last week of just what's happening. It was just line by line, just rifling it off. I would have signed the bottom if you asked me to. Anyway, that cliff was realized on Wednesday of this week, November 1st. So you may have already noticed some people doing some goodbye posts on Instagram Basically, it's real. Now it's real. As we talked last week, there are, there is kind of more coming because there's still some uncertainty, but this is the biggest clip that got hit, and we've got another update coming. Yeah, so obviously, if you've been scrolling around Instagram, you've definitely seen a few people. Um, you know, some of the names that come to mind are like Dustin Barca, who's been with Ruka for ages. He did his farewell post. Um, down to the younger generation, the next generation, kids like Canon Carr, who is a star of a film called Smooch that we're going to be talking about shortly. So it's hit um, sort of all sectors of the surf world. And honestly, too, like uh, board riders, ABG has continued to lay off staff as well. So it's not just on the surfer side. It's also on the worker side, too. It's it's pretty wild. And um, like I said, we wrote this whole piece. It's now live on the site. It took us so long to to research and get all this info. And yeah, to Buck's point, it came out <laughs> a little long. I think it's in like the 4,000 word range, but that's because we're going 
like basically person by person on what each person's situation is. And as Buck alluded to, you know, yes, a lot of contracts ended on October 31. And technically, a lot of, you know, big name surfers are not re-signed yet because they haven't finalized their deals. So there's a lot up in the air. Things can still happen. Some big names can still um, decide to split from board riders or vice versa. So we're going to be watching this closely for a while. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the state of the surf industry right now, which leads to the question, Buck, do you think this is the bottom? I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. And I wouldn't be surprised if I think surfing just naturally makes more sense with some of like the smaller, more piratey events that you've been seeing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we enter an era where people aren't trying to do it massive anymore. And when you're not doing it massive, you don't have a massive budget. So you could have a successful thing that's working and it's a functioning business. The economics makes sense. And it's just not this global powerhouse that has a $5 million budget for a marketing team, for a, um, a surf team, sorry. And so I don't think we're at the bottom on that front. No, because it just seems like the bigger brands are getting more and more challenged. So that's my take. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because like to me, when I heard that they are still laying off employees. I'm like, Jesus Christ, how many were there to begin with? You know what I mean? Like they already did like hundreds of people laid off. Um, So to think about how big these companies actually are, maybe, you know, my, my whole experience has been working at Stab where we've gone from maybe, you know, six to eight employees when I started and now we're maybe in like just scratching like the 20 range and so everybody wears a lot of hats. Everybody works really hard and I think that in these bigger companies, at least the ideas in these big corporations um, that, you know, it just, it gets a little bit too big, a little bit too top heavy sometimes. So maybe we've seen that. And to your point, brands that are coming up that are smaller, that are a little bit more grittier and they are working really hard and coming up with creative solutions to get their name out there without spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars on whatever it is. So yeah, maybe it's, we shouldn't think about it so much as, the bottom or not the bottom, it's probably just an industry-wide shift toward a different form of the surf industry, right? Like, I don't know. It just, yeah, maybe we're just going into a new era. But then again, we did talk last week about banks, which seemed to be a small brand doing everything right. And they were clearly, I mean, it sounded like that COVID thing just mangled everything. But yeah, it's interesting. I just sometimes I see smaller stuff that seems to be working. It just seems to be like you don't feel that pressure of like making it be something more than a surf edit or more than a surf contest or something like that. And um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we just see more small scale stuff popping off everywhere because we're gonna kind of get to not quite that, but I feel like what Kolohe is doing is is almost around what I'm saying. Like he's he's become. We'll get there, but he's become like this media house slash producer slash I don't even know how you describe him. We'll unpack that shortly, but um, he's just making movies. So it's like if, if you see more people like that stepping up, like I could see it more going that way, that kind of thing happening rather than like a brand having a mega budget for a mega team and a mega surf film. Yeah, which, you know, both things have their pros, both things have their cons, but I guess that's where we are. That's the state of the industry right now. And so we're going to be keeping up with this story. Um, I'm sure there's still more cuts to come bigger names to fall and bigger opportunities too in that sense because we know that a lot of the big people who haven't signed yet they are getting interest from other brands so we could see a pretty decent switch up in the next coming weeks yeah i think it'd probably be weeks maybe maybe months but uh we'll be keeping an eye on that 
But uh, yeah, let's get down to some SURF. Let's do it. R. SURF episode three. Ride. Hitchhike. Use that thumb. So we dropped Ari, Vinny, Ozzy, and Jelly in a range from 6 to 11 kilometers away from a fun wave in Byron Bay. And at that fun wave, all their boards were waiting, so were cameras, and this was a surf contest, in fact. They had to hitchhike their way back to the beach, and then when they got there, every single wave was scored. So every the way to win is just catch a lot of waves, and the contest was going to end 30 minutes after alert... 30 minutes after the last person paddled out. So they had 30 minutes and somebody could have got there an hour before them and just be racking up 4.3s. So you're fucked. You get there late and you're fucked pretty much. Wait, so was your interpretation of that rule that like every wave got a score between 1 and 10 and they were just added on top of one another? Yes. Oh, really? I thought it was like just, it was like overall performance kind of like the rest of the ones. You, okay, interesting. We'll have to clarify with Danny. But it did end up that the people who got their first won, so maybe there is something to your theory. That's what I thought, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, they could have done it the other way too, or just overall performance, but if somebody shows up, smashes it in 30 minutes, you're like, ah, shit, like, they're really good. Well, Crookie definitely did not smash it. <laughs> he got smashed. Um, Buck, would you pick up a man on the side of the road in a wizard suit with a staff and a case of beer? Myself, absolutely. Uh, he did describe <laughs> himself uh, as having the aesthetic of a spiritual predator. And the other <laughs> thing I loved about just seeing him on the side of the road is that because he was last, every other competitor who had to just drive past him gave him the finger. <laughs> they all did. It was three for three. <laughs> Uh, he said he said at least 80 cars went by him (laughs) yeah he had too much going on he had a sign where the the writing was hardly legible from like 10 feet away uh, 10 feet away and he's expecting cars going 60 kilometers an hour to to one read and register that and two have time to like think and then stop like yeah it was it was a really interesting case study in um i guess sociology but in the end, um, Jelly got there first. I think that women would generally have a better time hitchhiking. With I, I bug you, seem like somebody who's hitchhiked a lot. I've hitchhiked a bit, yeah. Um, it's it depends on where you're at. Like I think there's probably places. I would think it's fairly friendly to it there. Uh, I think some places people are just gonna be like, no, dude, you're not fucking getting in my car. Uh, Hawaii is great for it. Hawaii, I found. I've definitely I've like done months and months of trips there where it's just no car you just hitchhike even just get groceries and stuff so north shore is great for it the the thing with hitchhiking like pickup trucks are the ideal right because it gives you this layer of separation where the person's not going to kill you basically like yeah it's just hop in the back you know what i mean like there's no harm no foul like just hop in they can tap the side when they want to get off like that's like the perfect uh hitchhiking vehicle nobody got in it there aren't really pickup trucks i suppose in australia they call them utes they're really small uh but nobody nobody seemed to have one of those in this episode dude eddie rothman scooped me once when i was like 20 i was terrified did you go inside the cab no i was back of the truck but it was still like it you could imagine that thing was it was like climbing everest getting in and out of there and you're like don't fuck this up don't fuck this up (laughs) oh you just scratch it a little bit like okay (laughs) alex harnold climbing up this thing you know (laughs) So the last episode of SURF airs this weekend, um, well, U.S. weekend, Monday in Australia. 
It is F for fake, and they are going somewhere that could be considered an inorganic surfing experience. So you'll have to stay tuned for that. We will announce the winner of the entire show. They'll get $10,000 courtesy of Byron Bay Brewing. And Danny Johnson can finally sleep. Get the wizard in the pool, baby. Creatures of Leisure is going after infringers on their leash tech john john florence is one of them that title yeah it's probably gonna go it might change a little bit but either way you're gonna see something on the site this week talking about surf patents on them leashes we teased this on the program before it's about to come out there and we have got a story to tell i want to start by saying it is just kind of funny there's something funny about this being a leash i mean it's it's a legal battle it's patents it's it's I don't want to say serious stuff, but it's not just bullshit. It's real, but it's about leashes, which is kind of fun. Do you agree? <laughs> I totally agree. And also, so just for some context, we did our um, best accessories, you know, based on the reader survey a couple weeks ago. Creatures of Leisure ended up number two with the fan favorite leashes. So they're already at the top of that pack. But now they've come out with something that I guess, Buck, we should, can you explain to the audience a little bit like what this patent is for exactly? And then we can discuss who has infringed upon it and what the result of that will be. So, well, I'd like to start by saying Creatures seems like a more patent savvy surf company than most. Like when you look at their site, they have over 12 patents listed. And I could not find that on any other surf site. I mean, there's a chance, obviously, people can have patents and not list them on their site, but the fact that they do makes it clear that they're across this. And essentially what they did is, you know, we take leashes for granted. We steal them from our friends, especially me. I steal a lot. But if you're a leash designer and they have some very, very talented people running their program there, you're pretty much looking at this thing and thinking, how can I do it better? How can I do it better? And each season, they're not really saying, this is a leash, this is it. Like a, a company like that is looking at it as like, let's just keep on making these improvements. Like this isn't just going to be a leash. And so one of those improvements was putting some neoprene on the cuff with the intention to make it kind of stick to you better, preventing the potential for the leash to slip around you and trip you up um, on the best way that you're going to have that day, just so you could curse um, and hate life. So they're the first to do that. They got a patent for it. And the infringers include Vea. We mentioned John before, Ocean Earth, and Modem. And, I mean, you infringing on a patent doesn't necessarily mean that it's foul play, that they said, hey, fuck this, we're going to steal this idea. There's a chance that a good designer would look into it, but at the same time, there's a chance that somebody would just overlooked it, just been like, okay, we're going to make a leash like that. That looks cool. That feels good. That works. Maybe not even realize that they have a patent. Anyway, <laughs> that doesn't help you in a court of law. Creatures sent out letters to the infringers asking for 20% royalties on every leash that they've sold with that technology, plus them to ship their entire remaining stock of that product to them. From what we can tell, yeah. Yeah. And from what we can tell, they did. I mean, this was just a legal letter. This isn't a lawsuit. This is just saying, hey, do this, or we're going to look into the lawsuit options. So it's not like there's already something in court. It's just, you know, a, just a legal thing at this point. The infringers will pretty much be able to say, yep, or say, no, take us to court. But so far, it looks like they're saying, yep, we'll do that. I mean, nobody wants to deal with legal fees. Nobody really wants to deal with that. So I'm sure they've run the numbers. Respect. Okay, yeah, here, let's go. 
So it's an interesting one. It's not the first patent feud in surfing. No, but it is really interesting, too, that you go into detail about what a patent requires, like just to qualify for a patent. And then also you have to um, basically submit claims for them country by country. So obviously surfing, you could say that the two main countries for, you know, selling something like a leash would probably be the U.S. and Australia. Creatures is an Australian brand. So that is where they got their single patent for this one. They could have decided to go to the U.S. and beyond, but it just costs more money and time, etc. So right now, um, technically, the brands that are quote-unquote infringing on their patent they only have a legal case in Australia. So that means leashes that are sold in Australia. So in theory, brands like Vea and Modem and Ocean and Earth could continue to make and distribute these leashes in any other country in the world but Australia. But then they sort of run into the problem where it's like, oh, why are you you know, selling different products in different countries? And then maybe also creatures would be more inspired to go for patents in those areas as well. I also wondered though, like, could one of these other brands just make a patent for this product in the United States and then flip it around on creatures? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how those things work. It seems kind of shady, but also I feel like there's a lot of loopholes in the law. Anyway, um, beyond explaining how patents work, Buck, you went on to explain a few other patent feuds that have happened in surfing. Do you want to give us a, a little brief rundown? I'd say my favorite is involving the inflatable vests in surfing just because those were Shane Dorian's idea. He was with Billabong and he started making them happen. And then people realized how valuable that was and also started developing them. So even though it stemmed from Shane Dorian, Patagonia had got the patent for the deflation valve, essentially saying like, cause that's why you might get, I don't think you could really, if you were another brand, you couldn't just patent this leash idea in the US cause it's already out there. It's already been disclosed publicly. So it's already part of public domain in the U.S. and you can't, it's, it's out there, it exists. But Patagonia was like, shit, nobody else is making a vest of this nature that deflates, got the patent for it. Funnily, Quicksilver, I think, could have. They were aware of this too and they had stuff that would have separated theirs and protected it legally. They thought it was too much money, didn't get the patent. And so Patagonia, they, they took the high road instead of saying, hey, Quicksilver, here's a legal letter, pay us money. They said, hey, Quicksilver, here's a legal letter. Pay this money to an environmental nonprofit in Chile. <laughs> so I think it was... That's such a freaking, like, just big dick move. Not like dick move, but like just big dick move. <laughs> like, yeah, we technically, we could make you pay us, but instead we're going to make you pay charity. So it's like the same penalty to Quicksilver, but it makes Patagonia look good. Because it was surprising to me, like Patagonia comes off as this very like moral brand and everything that they do. And the fact that they were going to patent something that is ultimately there to preserve life seemed a little bit odd and like, you know, enforce that against other companies. But the way that they did it definitely is like taking the high road. But also a little bit of a fuck you to the other brands yeah yeah so that, that was pretty funny that's i think my favorite detail of it um but th that one is my favorite but fcs has also had some interesting stuff happen on the patent front so their product originally came out in 1994 while the patent was pending they applied for it in in 1993 and so they had 20 years because if you get granted the patent you have 20 years of protection before it just enters public domain anybody can do whatever they want with it and so they launched FCS2 right as it was about to expire, being like, hey, look, these are how you need to do fins now. So not a coincidence there. 
but when they had their FCS first option, they weren't really worried that people were gonna like replicate their plugs and try to get all these shapers to adopt them. More so they were worried about people just being like, oh shit, I can make fins with these two little tabs in them. And so there were some attempts at that. Mikey, I believe you were in a Surfco Hawaii ProTech fin ad, were you not? Uh, well, when I was maybe like 10 years old, I got a crazy fin gash on my leg, like really bad, like <laughs> like meat hanging out of my leg. And so after that, my uh, my parents got a little scared and decided you're going to ride fins with a little plastic edge on them that can't cut you. So I rode ProTech fins from Surfco Hawaii for probably like four years, I would say. Did the best surfing of my life on him. You were in an advertisement in a magazine. It was great. It was, I think it was one of those weird ones that was like a, they took up maybe a quarter of the page. It was like a weird, strangely vertical. It was almost like ahead of its time. It was like iPhone format <laughs> in this ad. <laughs> anyway, so they made those fins with FCS plugs. FCS said, hey, you can't do that. Surfco was like, yeah, we can. They went to court, Surfco won. And so I think when these things happen, because when I was researching this, I learned that there's a study that looked at 20 years worth of intellectual property cases in the U.S., and they were only successful 50% of the time when heard by a judge and 75% of the time when heard by a trial. So taking somebody to court doesn't mean you're going to win this patent thing and you'll get whatever result you want. It does almost certainly mean you're going to have to spend a lot of time and money, but this is one of those territories where, like, patents are a starting point but there are kind of these loopholes and i think fcs has struggled with that a bit in the past even with the two plugs i've heard in some things like i know they patented the the two system and fins in way more countries than the og i think they only went us france and australia for the og ones and the patent they got for fcs2 fins has many different versions around the world they cost like 10 to 20k per country so it's pretty wild how much you have to spend, how much you're betting on that intellectual property being worth being protected in those regions. So patents, man, it's all it's all happening. And uh, guess what? We don't get to slip. I don't remember the last time I tripped on my leash. So that's good. Thanks, law. The best surfing I've ever seen with Andrew Knader. Man, there's a good clip of him in here. Of course, of course, he just has the energy of a bug lord. And pretty quickly in this edit, you will see a clip of him showing the type of wave riding he is capable of. But his story is around Russell Bjerke. Russell what? Bjerke. There it is. Bjerke. Bjerke. Russell Bjerke at that Australian wave that we bleeped out eight times in the edit. And we're certainly not going to say here. Even though it's a wave that not that many people realistically would want to surf, or if they convinced themselves that they do want to surf it, would probably realize that their assumptions were way off when they got out there. Um, crazy left-hander that you can kind of chip into, or because it's a kilometer out to sea, you can very much not chip into and uh, murk yourself. So Russ is a psychopath. We all know that, but this was kind of at a time when he was he was i wouldn't say he's that because he's just getting better and better but it was when he was really coming onto the map it was right around that flow state edit and they got this wave for a run of like five days it wasn't massive but it wasn't crowded as a result he said it wasn't even a swell event this wave just must do shit like that regularly let's normalize the non-swell event swell event 
That's what surfing's all about. Like, because, you know, there are those times when so many people show up to the same spot at the same time. It's freaking purple on Surfline, whatever. And then those days are terrible, right? They're always terrible. Even if the waves are perfect, it's terrible. It's the worst experience. But on the flip side of that, the best experience of surfing is scoring waves when there's not supposed to be waves. Because in life, it's all about expectation and reality, right? And when the reality goes beyond the expectation you're having the best time yeah this is like the most humble psycho edit you'll see in a while not a swell event technically and then andrew talks about a wave in there that was one of russell's best and he goes he could have claimed and nobody would have known there's nobody around and russell still didn't claim so it's like just the most humble core psychotic surfing that you'll ever see that Andrew Canader ever saw of Russell BRK. So I have surfed with Russell at, like, if you um, if you were to put Russell and I on a Venn diagram, I think this would be, like, the only wave that we would ever intersect at, really, because it's, like, at the very top end of my fear threshold and probably at the very bottom of, like, this is, like, just entertaining enough to surf for him. And I, like, I mean, Andrew talks about it in here. Like, he, he said basically he needs a 50-foot Jaws pit to show any emotion. And I swear this guy has a resting heartbeat of, like, 30. Like, he is just... And, like, not in, like, a cold way. Like, he's, you know, super nice. But he just does not get nervous or excited. Like, he's just the most, like, calm, chill dude you've ever seen. And then when the scariest-looking wave of the day comes in, like, he just calmly turns around, paddles a few times into it. Like, it's just... I don't know. He's like a tube zombie. It's insane. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy too. Like I cave was breaking the other day and there are some people out there trying Nate Florence posted some crazy. It was just on his stories for now. Um, I'd imagine it'll be elsewhere by at some point, but he, I watched it for a bit. The tide was already a bit too high and the wind was not great by the time I got there. But it's one of those things where like, I think people at that level, cause Russell, it's kind of talked about here. Like, He's okay with just getting one wave as long as it's the one wave, you know? He'll wait for however long it takes just to be on that one rather than try to get, like, make five waves or whatever. And it's just crazy to think about that, especially when you see the ocean doing just angry, vicious things. Like, Cave the other day was just so angry, and people got a few, like, that any other person in the world would be, like, the most proud of, just, like, you could almost quit surfing. But there's crew out there that, like, it's only really going to matter for them if they happen to be in the perfect spot in a set and it's just a 15-foot backless wave. It's 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 crazy that surfing is at that level, I think. Another crazy thing that came out of this to me that stood out was Andrew saying that for Russell, he would rather leave a spot on good terms with the locals than get the wave himself. Which is, I mean, when you're a pro surfer, like, it is literally your job to go to all these places and get the most fucked up waves so that people are talking about you, like we do with, like, a Nate Florence. I'd say he probably does that almost better than anyone. Like, he goes all around the world and somehow seems to get the wave of the day. And I think he also stays on good terms with the locals just because he's so personable. Russ is definitely a little bit more reserved, I would say, just personality-wise. But the fact that, like, it's so important to him to, like, you know, not sort of tread on, like, you're, you're going into these people's places where their waves maybe turn on four to five times a year, and you're just going to show up and expect to, like, get a really good, like, it's, it's a pretty fucked up system, but it is what pro surfing is. And the fact that he has that mentality where, you know, he'll sit out the back and let everybody get their waves, and then if that one happens to come to him, 
and he has so much respect from the locals because he's been kind to them and obviously they know his surfing level that he's able to get it when it comes through so yeah i think he's on a really really good program um he's one of the most i think well respected he's like a surfer surfer he's like really well respected by uh, people in all aspects of the game and i don't know if you remember buck but we did a, a ramble on with him and katie simmers last year and he fucking rips in small waves too which still kind of pisses me off oh he did an air yeah he did that air yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of those people where it's like, if you remember those memes about like Tom Hanks being a dick, that was just, it was funny because Tom Hanks isn't a dick. It's almost like that level of surfer where it's just like, you would just be, he's the last person that you would ever think would be a dick and he's not, but you'd almost make a joke about like, oh yeah, classic Russell, but he's just the most sweet, mellow guy. Ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go watch it. It's, and again, this is like, it's the best surfing Andrew Canator's ever seen. It's five days with pretty much no one out at one of Australia's premier big-ish wave spots, you know, big wave slabs, and the performances. Yeah, exactly. So go get it. The Stab interview with Kolohe and Dino, the producer, director, mastermind behind the new film Smooch, in which he pretty much gave... Sweatshirt slanger. He's slanging them. Uh, it sounds like he didn't get in as much trouble with his accountant as he did when he made Reckless Isolation, which was good to hear. But yeah, he pretty much just told this crew of kids, hey, you've got a year to film. I'll produce, direct it, and then we're going to make a film. And so this is that film. And it has everybody from the big dogs who are either on the CT or about to be next year, all the San Clemente boys, to some faces that... I hadn't really heard of that Chloe spoke quite highly of. So have you seen a preview of this thing, Mikey? I'm excited to check it out. I know it's been touring. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, as you said, it's touring. They're doing, they did four stops on the West Coast. I think they're going to do four stops on the East Coast of the U.S. as well. And um, we're going to do our best to get a premium premium preview of this thing on the site for sure. Because reality, in reality, how this came about is... Kalohe just reached out to Sam McIntosh and said, hey, we made this film. We'd really love to get some stab push behind it. And Sam was like, yeah, let's chat about it. So Kalohe called up Sam. They did a nice 20, 30-minute chat. And the great thing about this is Kalohe now, as he's like gotten older and you know matured and seen more of the world and the surfing world and how it all works, like he really gets it. So when he calls up Sam like he knows that there has to be a bit of like a symbiosis to all of it so whereas you know we're providing some promotion for his film Kolohe is also providing a lot of like inside intel that nobody else really knows or has heard of before and that was the genesis of this conversation where Kolohe ends up sharing a lot of really interesting things Um, for instance just like how much money he's spending on stuff like two percent how much of an impact he may or may not have had on two percent's success on the CS this year and uh, yeah, there's also something really interesting to me about just, you know, as people grow up and they mature and they really want to give back, like we've seen what Dane has been doing, you know, with chapter 11 and now Kolohe is doing the same thing. And it, they really, it's like these people hate talking about themselves and they love talking about their friends. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's listen to Kolohe and hear what he has to say. What do you get out of 2%? Because it seems like you, you, you give more than you get. Well, honestly, the bottom line is, for me, I would like to slowly start reviving the surf industry. 
What do you mean yeah, by that? That's, that's like that's bottom line. I feel like well, there's two reasons. There's that, and then also elevating the youth and elevating my friends has always been like super fun for me. Okay, and what what, okay. Kind, of, what kind of psychic reward do you get out of it? What kind of financial reward? What what are the reward system? What's that look like? <laughs> reward system for me is hopefully that brands and people and organizations look at us to what to do and a model of what actually core surfers like to do. Yep. And and then and that's also something that you can't put your your analytics to because I mean we have we have like Cole Hausman who's like the American hero right now that's the new quote, you know? Yep. And he's showing up he's showing up to a proof lab in Northern Cal just a normal Cole Hauschman guy, you know, um, palling out, shaking hands, ripping in front of all these guys, and it's just like the best day of his strong life. So you kind of, Cole shows up on his own will. So he's on his best behavior because he's just normal Cole. It's no person, like, no sponsor telling him. So there's a lot of things that go with it that are, like, really good, you know? So, to me, to me, it's like a return to old-fashioned values. So it doesn't matter how viral, how many likes, how many comments, how engaged. Like, this is the, these are the kind of metrics that you judge things by. Is that the sort of a correct summation? Yeah, totally. It's, it's, yeah, the stuff you can't measure that, like, actually matters. Right. Yeah. Because some, like, business analytical geek would come in and say, oh, you should only show the movie to 2,000 people and how much money did you spend and how many blah 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 but those people that you showed that got to see Cole surf and got to shake his hand and say what up those people you just gained lifers with those people and business people that don't surf or analytical people they don't understand that you know all right, Mikey, what else do we got? We got an Olympic update. We'll tell you everything you need to know about who's doing what, qualifying, when they're going to do it, get in there, get it done. But you know what else is coming up before the Olympics is the Vans Pipe Masters. Ooh, it's from the 8th to the 20th, that classic window. We've been rolling out some profiles. This week we saw Frankie Herrera and Justin Quintal. Did I get those right? Frankie who? Herrer. <laughs> there you go. Herrer. Herrer? Herrer. Her name sounds like an infinitive verb she's, in um in the Latin language. She's like sneakily one of the best like she's like fucking charges. Like chopes, pipe, she went to Namibia. Like she's like actually one of the best female tube riders in the world, hands down, and I feel like she is not widely recognized as such. Like she's kind of like a low key figure, but I'm thinking that this is a really good platform for her. Well to answer the question posed in the title does my mom want second Reef Rollins? No. No, Diane does not want anything to do with that. <laughs> Frankie does. She <laughs> she has a kid, and she spends so much time. She's a psychopath. I mean, she gets some really gnarly waves, so it will be very sick to see her in the Pipe Masters. One more thing that I want to call out this week. There was a big wave award show. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Florence and Justine DuPont did well there, but... 
I noticed on their social media, like one of the recap posts they did was just set to the song, We Are the World. Oh, we no. Are the Children. <laughs> and it was just so funny. It was so fucking good. <laughs> so, All right, I'm going to need to find that. Dude, find it. Find it. It's fucking so comical. Whoever did it, uh, good work. I love your stuff. Yes. Okay. Oh, back to the Vance Pipe Masters really quickly. So we also mentioned Justin Quintal, who also loves a second reef roll-in, which is the reason, I think, why he got into the event this year. Like, he wasn't in the comp last year, but then he got that wave, which I think in a normal winter probably would have been the wave of the winter. It's just the dreamiest second reef roll-in. Like, truly, like, the dream pipeline wave that anybody could ever ask for. Uh, you probably know the one I'm talking about. And then there are some other new big names that are coming in this year as well, including Sean Manners, who is the star of our upcoming Electric Acid Surfboard Test. That's going to be dropping on, I think, November 16th. So that's just two weeks away. Um, Russell Bierke, who we just mentioned in great detail about his uh, best surfing I've ever seen with Andrew Kinader. Uh And yeah, a lot more names as well. So we're going to be dropping the full list soon. But it's going to be an incredible event, and hopefully the waves turn on. What else we got, Mikey? Well, coming up next week, we have a joyride. Uh, hopefully some more board riders news. I know I've been teasing this Tahiti thing. I just I keep pushing it back. That's my fault. I've been busy. Um, but this th- there's a lot going on. We just heard that they got 100,000 signatures to stop the building of the comp test tower, basically. So there's a lot going on down there. And like I said before, we have the final episode of SURF. And there's also, I'm just going to hint that there's a few other big industry stories going down right now that are not related to board riders, but are nonetheless like absolutely fascinating. We're going to do some digging and hopefully by next week we'll have something for you. This is like a really hot item and I don't even want to like tease it with too much detail because yeah, it just could get into a bit of hot water. So let's just keep it there for now. Talking leashes? <laughs> no. We're, leashes? We're, uh, we're, we're talking something way bigger than leashes. Uh, traction. <laughs> traction. Yes, yeah, so let's get into the surf scene. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Hey, guys. I got a surf scene for you. I've been carrying this one around for a long time. It was back when I was a teenager. Grew up in Malibu in the late 70s and the 80s, and I used to be especially unkind to the visiting surfers from the valley. Uh, did all kinds of bad things, slash tires, wax windshields, all kinds of typical stuff. But the worst of it was uh, driving along Zuma, middle of summer, packed, cars lined all up and down PCH, parking lot full. Dude was changing out of his wetsuit, his door was open. I had just come back from Mex, I had a couple M80s in the back. Had my buddy light one and I tossed it in his car right as the light turned green. And uh, we peeled out of there, looked in the rear view mirror, saw it blow up in his car, the guy was freaked out. I feel terrible. Father Mikey, Father Buck, I need a penance. Okay, so he's clearly of a different era. Uh, which he which he says um, this it would not fly I, it's it was a different era folks I mean it's almost indefensible I'm trying to kind of defend it but wow that's that's really something this, what do you got Mikey it strikes me as something that somebody from New Jersey would do but this guy's clearly from California yeah. he's like a beautiful silver fox kind of has crazy eyes might be an actual pyro. Um, or an arsonist, mm. um, might be the BB gun guy from last week. We can't be sure. But yeah, yeah throwing a live 
firework into someone's car is fucking gnarly. Like, you can kill someone, worst case scenario. You can seriously injure someone. Even if somebody didn't get hurt, like, their car is just fucking mangled after that. Like, it's, that's a pretty, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's on a, a different level. The one thing I will say, the one thing I will say is that it's so much funnier than slashing tires. Let's just be honest. Like, if you got your tires slashed, I just be like, oh, come on, man. Fuck that. Whereas if somebody just belted a fucking firework in my car, I'd see the humor in it. Um, like you said, I, I could be risking pretty serious in- injury or some permanent car damage. But And I'm not sure really where my insurance policy stands on fireworks. We'd have to figure that one out. But it's way funnier than like just slashing a tire like key in a car. Right. Yeah, but this wasn't done out of like spite, right? Like it was just like a f- funny thing to quote unquote funny thing to do while you're like driving down the hot. Yeah, like... It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, he's been stewing on this for a while. It sounds like this happened maybe decades ago. So um, I I think there might even be a little bit of like interest and appreciation on the surf sense. So we might need to hit him pretty hard with the penance buck. What are you thinking? Oh man, are you gonna go hard? Let me see how hard you're gonna go because I kind of have a range for mine. Well, mine's like hard soft, <laughs> which is really funny because it has to do with um, the two different ways that you can make the thing that I'm talking about. I think I want to I want to tie in the Mexico thing, and I really like you. Obviously, you can do nothing about the guy who you threw the firework in his car. First of all, you don't know who he is. Second of all, he probably deals with a lot of like PTSD. He might be like he's basically like a war veteran now. Um, so I think that guy is unfortunately a lost cause, but you can still make things right. I think by paying it forward to, to your community. So what I really want this guy to do is to throw a big taco night for his local surf community. We did this in Australia, um, for the original stab highway where you basically have to get a bunch of food and do a barbecue in front of your local surf spot. I want him to do this in his local community. I want him to like really push it though and promote it. Like I want there to be at least a hundred people there and he needs to provide all the food. He needs to be the guy manning the grill. He needs to be the guy doing the tortillas, make some hard tortillas, make some soft tortillas. Like he needs to really put his heart and soul and a decent chunk of money into this. And I think only then will he be healed. Wow. Okay. Okay. I was kind of, that's an interesting one. I mean, it's sweet of you, Mikey. It really is. But I was thinking, so, I mean, times have changed, right? This type of behavior was fucked up then, but now it's just not even really thinkable, right? They're conceivable to do that in this day and age. Malibu has changed. That whole area, surfing has changed, and especially that area has changed, right? And so I'm going to return to the firework, and this is the type of penance that could be proven because there's a camera there. And so I want him to go out to Malibu on like a, not a big day, but like a, a really crowded day. It's sunny, it's a weekend, it's fucking full of people from celebrities to whoever and blah, 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 blah. You got to just light off some fireworks in the ocean on a day like that. People are going to be so confused. We'll be able to see it in the thing. The cops will likely get called. It'll be smoked out for a minute. It'll just be mass confusion. People might think that there's gunshots going on. It's going to be fucking chaos. Um, but to me, I think that's the only way it's like a healing ceremony to show that times have changed and to finally embrace this new era. 
This would be the second greatest surfer arrest at Malibu in history. Actually, I don't was Mickey Dora ever arrested in Malibu? I don't know. But do you remember during COVID, like early COVID days, there was an absolutely pumping Malibu swell. And some guy just went out there on a sup and was doing laps. And they had to bring in the Coast Guard yeah. boat. There's no one else out in the water. <laughs> He's just having the time of his life before getting arrested. Um, shouts out to that. I can't even like hate on the fact that he was riding a sup. Like anybody who goes out and does no, that. that was cool. Yeah, you get so much respect for that. And I agree. This is a great penance as well. Bring your fireworks out there. Definitely, like, have one of those, have some of those ones that can, like, you know, you can have, like, a stack of them on your surfboard and they'll kind of, like, shoot off. You know, don't bring, like, one that's on a stick. Like, have them so they can sit flat on your surfboard. You can light them. They can go off at different times. If you can get them going off on a wave, that, I think, would be, like, peak <laughs> penance. So, uh, you know what you got to do. And then and then throw a taco party after. Just, like, it, you can tie them all in at one. Yeah, combine them. Combine them. That will be great. <laughs> Don't go to jail. But you can deserve to go to jail anyway. So, if you, if you do get arrested, that's your – you're also doing that side of the penance. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf scene of your own, you can send them into michael at stabbank.com or bucketstabbank.com. Film them vertically on your phone. Keep them 60 seconds or less. And as always, if you get aired on this podcast, you will get a free year of Stab Premium. Beyond that, man, we're keeping our eye on a lot of different stories that are happening right now, both in and outside of board riders. So stay tuned. Next week is going to be a big one, too. And until then, over and out.